Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey, good evening. You doing good? Welcome to church. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors on staff. If it's your first time with us, uh, maybe you're new. Maybe you've decided to come with someone else who's new. Welcome here. So grateful that you're here tonight. It is my honor and privilege to be preaching, as always, at the 6, and it's, uh, it's a joy to do so. We just kind of came out what was a, a fun fall, a really like jam-packed fall where we had vision and values of who we are as a church, and then we went into what I, we kind of call anniversary month, if you will. We had an incredible time doing that. Um, we had a conference, when we had another conference, we had history, we had our 100th anniversary, we had all these things happen, and then we kind of had like three weeks, and we're like, what do we do with three weeks? Because like the rest of you, we're kind of looking to Christmas as the church. Anyone else already looking at Christmas right now? I got some no's. I see you, Carson. I see you in like absolutely, anyone got their tree up so far? Okay, uh, don't believe any of you. Okay, because <laughs> like, I'm on Instagram too. You're all like, <laughs> coziness. Like, you got your lattes and you're hitting there and you got your tree up. I know you do. It's funny when people are like so excited to tell you that they have their tree up, but when someone asks, they're like, no, it's not me. It's not for me. Um, and so we're looking at Christmas too as the church, as we often do. But there was these three weeks, kind of in November. And we're like, what do we do here? And I want you to know it was my intention, our heart as a church, Pastor Andy, Pastor Lisa, we always want you to hear the good news of Jesus. Like when it comes to the pulpit, when it comes to what we're preaching on, it is always the goal here at this church. And I know sometimes we drift into different topics or things, but it's always our goal that no matter what we are talking about, whether it be you know, primarily on relationships or something more theological, that you would hear the good news of Jesus. Can I get an amen from that sweet little pumpkin over there? I don't know, the cute little laugh. My dad, I can say pumpkin, relax, okay? The good news of Jesus. That is the goal. And so for the next three weeks, we want to kind of just unpack the Father's heart. The Father's heart for you, the Father's heart for every single person. And so you're going to hear three scriptures that are very well known. You're going to hear three chunks of scripture that I'm positive. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably know what we're going to talk about. You probably know the scripture that's going to be mentioned. And that's good. But I want to go deeper. I don't want to just hit the main kind of thought. I want, to hit, I want to go deeper into it. And so we're going to be in John chapter 3 tonight. John chapter 3. There's a blue Bible in front of you. You can grab it and join us. There will be uh, verses on the screen. Can I just say, we're going to read a story about a guy named Nicodemus. A guy named Nicodemus. And I just want to say one thing about Nicodemus. I would say, listen, I am all for different, watching different shows and different things. If you have not seen The Chosen, okay, have you, how many people have seen The Chosen? Good. The rest of you, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, that's a joke. Um, Pastor Lisa would come into the office for months being like, have you seen The Chosen? Have you seen The Cho- Chosen? And I'm like, okay, easy. Like, no, I haven't seen it. Because here's the thing. Can we just be honest? Typically, typically, anything that's done based around like anything that's Bible usually just doesn't have the production quality as like, Top Gun, right? Like Top Gun Maverick, Hollywood budget, Tom Cruise, and then it's like $20,000 shot with your iPhone, 
biopic on Noah. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't usually, for whatever reason, that was a job of Russell Crowe, but like for whatever reason, those, they just don't usually do as well. Can I just say, I have had to apologize to Pastor Lisa. The Chosen is amazing. It's really well done. It really is. And so I had to ask for forgiveness, repent, and tell her that she was right. And she liked that very much, knowing that she was right. And so I encourage you to watch it. I actually think the depiction of Nicodemus is fantastic. Um, It's really well done. You should take a look. John chapter 3. Here we go, starting in verse 1. Are you ready? Oh, Lord. Here we go. It's not a good start. Now there was a Pharisee. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you. No, one's, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. Verse eight, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is, so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. I think it's a fair question that Nicodemus asked. He doesn't quite understand, yet we also have to know he is a religious Pharisee. He, is, he had power, he had influence. He's a part of the ruling council, which means he was with the Sanhedrin. So he didn't just like make up rules for other Jews to follow. He was like teaching teachers. He was the rabbi of rabbis. He was making up a lot of, of law and, and he would actually teach others to teach others. He had power. He was a well-known, influential person. Nicodemus is a Greek name and so he... He most likely has kind of dialed into different kind of sects and different people, different philosophies. He's understanding. He has knowledge. This is important to know. There is this influential religious Pharisee whose curiosity has been piqued by what? By the miracles of Jesus. Because he actually says, listen, we know, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Really interesting way of saying it. I think sometimes he gets a bad rap for coming at night. I remember always hearing that in Sunday school. He came at night because he didn't want anyone to see him. And if you want to be known, you need to be a warrior for the Lord. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Like you'd always get that in Sunday school. And I don't think that's actually what's happening here. I think he had an urgency, a desperation. We don't really know, but he wanted to see the Lord. And so he knocks on the door. He comes. He's like, I got questions for you. And they start this conversation. It is hard, I think, for us to see such an intelligent man just not getting the simple words of Jesus. Let us remember, in the time that Jesus is in here, here, that we're reading, it was common for many Pharisees, and specifically like Jewish people, to believe that the, the first two aspects of the new covenant had already been fulfilled before the Messiah had come. Meaning, that they assumed that there would be kind of an organized group, a spiritual movement, and they thought that happened through the rabbis, kind of through the rabbinical men that had kind of pushed forward the Pharisee movement. And secondly, they also just, they also believe that as long as they were all together in the same area, they were doing what they were supposed to do. You also have to know that the Jewish assumption was that their birthright, their racial kind of identity, assured them a place in God's kingdom. To them, we're the chosen people of God. This makes sense to them. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but we're your chosen people. This all makes sense, right? And he's saying, no, 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 no. There's something very different here. You're too cute. Everyone's looking at you. Listen, up here, everyone, this is important. This is important. I want you to hear this. 
For many people, they would have assumed that their birthright got them into a place in assurance with the Lord. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you're from, I am bringing a way forward that every single person can experience the love of Jesus. This is a really big deal. This really matters. Jesus is literally leveling the playing field and saying, it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done. Today's actually, we didn't show the video, we showed it in the morning. Today is the is kind of the one day a year where churches all across the globe pray for the persecuted church. And there's three countries that we're primarily looking at this year and trying to pray for as they're persecuted a lot. It's India, Nicaragua, and Nigeria. And I was thinking about it today, like, man, Jesus levels the playing field for, the, for, for yes, the Pharisee, but also for the youngest, youngest girl in India, part of the lowest caste system, who has been told from birth she's worth nothing. And Jesus is saying, listen, it's not about where you were born, It's about this spiritual rebirth that only comes from me. I need you to hear that. He's explaining this, and this is the Father's heart. This is the Father's heart that all should be welcomed in. I need you to hear this tonight, because nothing could matter more. This is the, the, the first step, if you will, to the gospel, that every single person has an opportunity to receive the good news of Jesus, that all are welcomed in. That everyone is a part of this. That anyone who, anyone who would just step forward and say, Lord, I believe I'm with you is welcomed into the good news to, of, of the Lord, into his family. This is so important. And he's explaining it to a teacher who knows so much and who has done so much, who is, who's, has so much, who is so smart. And it's, it's hard for him because there's this assurance that he felt like from his study, from his time in, in various school, from everything that he's done for years Think about this. I, I don't think I can put into words how hard this would be for a Pharisee to understand. For generations upon generations, for years and years of teaching and understanding, Nicodemus has assumed that his birthright was in heaven. And Jesus is saying, no, everyone gets that inheritance. There's no doubt there's something special about the Israelites, and we see that relationship throughout the Bible. But Jesus comes and says, your assurance doesn't come from any earthly birthright, but a heavenly inheritance bought by Christ Jesus. That's a good word and you need to hear it again. That no one's assurance comes from any earthly birthright but a heavenly inheritance bought, not just brought from heaven, purchased on the cross by Jesus for you and for me. And this is what's so hard for Nicodemus to understand. And I want to show some love to the Pharisees tonight. The Pharisees weren't even... They didn't make themselves Pharisees. This is actually a Hebrew word that means separated apart, that other people bestowed upon them. And it's interesting for them because the Pharisees, they prioritized things like charity. They tried their best to, to breathe like oral tradition of the word of God. They instilled greater like understanding of heaven and the afterlife. They did a lot. And where the Pharisees got it wrong was not in their charity, it was in how they mixed religion and politics, religion and power, that their culture mattered more, that they continued to wait and, and push this on other people. Even for them, they said, like Hillel and Shammai, these different groups of different Pharisee sects, you had the Sadducees, you had the Essenes, you had all these people vying for what? For political power. That's all. And this is where they got it wrong. And this is what, in fact, this was so hard for them when Jesus comes on the scene. Because Jesus comes with a message a message of grace and love. And people are hearing it and they're latching onto it and they're worried that they're losing other Jews and other people. They're worried about losing people in their group and so they start to get stressed and they're the ones that actually put them on the cross. It's interesting for 
for us to look at this from such a different perspective because as soon as life and culture and people groups and different things in society become more about power and influence and pride other than, you know, even ego, right? When culture starts to shift and we, we miss the beauty of culture and the groups of, of our history. I was talking to a guy, a friend at church t- today about this. We're saying how every culture matters. Every ethnicity has a beautiful story and a heritage that we need to understand and learn and celebrate and honor. Yet Jesus says, listen, any culture or society or people group that tries to be more entitled than the other, I'm, I'm trying to break that. I'm breaking the entitlement. And I'm saying, listen, there is not an entitlement for anyone but an inheritance for everyone that would receive me. And it's very different than what Nicodemus understood talking to my brother today about this, Alalu, and he said something so profound, and I want to quote him verbatim. He said this, culture gives us a sense of heritage, uniqueness, and diversity. For many, it provides a belonging, a richness, which should be celebrated and honored. Yet, the culture of the kingdom is one that actually unifies us, no matter where we're from. Jesus gives us an inheritance that is beyond worldly norms, practices, and worldly devices. Jesus brought a kingdom culture, and every single person is welcomed in. That's a profound word. And this is why Jesus' statement was so strange to Nicodemus. Because he just thought they had it. That they already were in. And he's saying, like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. It doesn't happen just because you're born here or not born there. It all comes from me. And he knew, it's interesting because he kind of teases Nicodemus, doesn't he? He's like, you really don't know this? You're missing this piece, aren't you? And he's saying, you should have known the scripture of Ezekiel that says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. You should have known that. What? Come on, Nicodemus, you know this. The Bible says, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a new heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you. That's Ezekiel 36. Nicodemus, you know this one. This wasn't metaphorical. This is real. This is what I've come to do. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And so Nicodemus keeps asking the question. Verse nine, he says, how can this be? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you. Can I just say really quick, all the very truly I tells you, if anyone talked to me except Jesus with that, like that would be so condescending. You know what I'm saying? Anyone else read that and you're like, man, only Jesus can be like, very truly I tell you. Like if I said that to Trina, not things wouldn't get... Listen, very truly, I tell you, it just wouldn't go well. Anyways, I kept reading that, I underlined it and put lol in my Bible. There it is. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept their testimony. He's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what you see. It doesn't matter what I say. You're so stuck in your old ways. You're missing the new way that I'm bringing forward. Some of you are so stuck in your old ways you're missing what is happening right now. We can judge Nicodemus and the Pharisees all we want, but truthfully, there's, there's an inner Pharisee in all of us where we assume we know exactly what to do and what to say, and we come to church and we sing the song. I mean, if the set list is good, it depends, right? Like, we're only gonna, that's a joke, relax, okay? But it's true. Thanks, Joshua. Appreciate the laugh. It's true, though. We're like, oh, I'm not feeling it tonight, clearly. Like, we set these weird standards of how things should operate in the church. And Jesus is saying, listen, it's not the way you may thought it should have gone, gone. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. Which kind of puts a stump on all those, like, 90-minute in heaven books. Do you ever notice that? Anyone else? Just a subtle jab. It doesn't matter. The son of man. No one is going except the son of man. That's himself. 
Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Okay, a lot of scripture. Let me break this down for a moment because there's a lot about the Father's heart here and I don't want to miss it. Firstly, I want you to understand what what he just mentioned about when it comes to Moses. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. We would, just, we would just go past that, but if we don't know in Numbers 21 the story that Jesus is mentioning, it doesn't give as much context to this whole, this whole section of verses. In Numbers 21, you find this sort of strange story attached to kind of the epic of Exodus, okay? And so the Israelites have left Egypt, and they're on their way to the Promised Land, and they've won battle after battle, even though they really are always outweighed and outnumbered and outclassed in every way. And they just actually won a battle, thanks to the Lord, literally just handed their enemies over to them. And in this moment, the Israelites begin to grumble and complain. If you read the first five books of the Bible, you will see that the Israelites have a chronic grumbling problem. I know this very well, thanks to my kids. This is like, you want to know what it's like to be a parent? Chronic grumbling problems. I'm not kidding. I love Bo, and I know I pick on a lot up here. That kid has got to figure his life out. He's five years old right now. And it is just complain central, everything. I'm so hungry, I'm so this, I'm, so, I'm just like, you are so not any of the things you're actually saying, Bo, you just had an apple, I just made you three eggs, you had a bowl of cereal, I know, but I'm dying. You're like, no you're not, like, go get another apple, I don't care, just stop asking for food, like, just a garbage disposal right now. And this is Bo, like he, it doesn't matter what it is, he's just complaining and complaining. And it's like, you have food, you have freedom, you have a life, you, are, you got everything you need, Bo, and you actually help very little. So, like, you're welcome. How about a thank you, Dad? That'd be nice, instead of Dad. Like, the other day, I think I've even maybe have shared this story with you. The other day, we went grocery shopping together, and he really, really wanted, like, I was like, Bo, go grab some Honey Nut Cheerios. And he's like, no, I want this one. And he had, like, the Reese's Puffs, like, the biggest box of Reese's Puffs. And I was like, no, we're not eating, maybe, but next time, not right now. And he was like, so mad at me, like, oh, dad, puts it back. And then he pulls out this big, like the double jumbo of Lucky Charms. And he's like, dad, brings it over. And I love Lucky Charms, not gonna lie to you. And he, he brings it over and I was like, oh, man. no, no, Bo, like we really shouldn't. And he goes, dad, do you even love me? Like in the middle, in the middle of the grocery store, it's like, how could you do this to me, dad? And he's like doing this in his fist and he's like in the middle. I'm like, are you turning into the Hulk? Like it's cereal. Like, fine, you know what? Fine, you wanna, you wanna complain? Grab the shredded wheat. I was like, here you go. We're eating shredded wheat and mucilix for the next whatever. We're eating grandpa food. If you eat mucilix, bless your heart. I don't need a text about it after, it's gross. But like, do you know, shredded wheat is just like big old non-tasty mini wheats. Did you realize that? I didn't realize, it's just, it doesn't matter. The fiber. I had like seven text messages because I made a joke about shredded wheat this morning. People, the old people were so mad. Oh, I said old people. They're so mad that I made a joke about mucilix. It's like, I was like, this is punishment for Bo. And I show it to him and he's like, no. And he's like throwing it aside. I'm like, let's just get Honey Nut Cheerios. Like that's right in the middle. Not really that healthy, but whatever. I, I, I feel better about it. So can we do that one? And he's just complaining and the whole way home and the whole, like, it's just ridiculous. And this is the Israelites. They've been set free from Egypt and like, oh, you know what, just take us back. This is, walking is too hard. We'd rather be whipped and build things for the Pharaoh. Like walking to the promised land is way too hard. We're so hungry. Okay, I'll provide man, manna and quail from heaven. Oh, we had that yesterday. Like they're annoyed at leftovers. My kids, when it comes to leftovers, like Georgia will literally cry if we're like, we're having leftovers. It's like, no, dear God, no, no. 
no. They like run away. I'm just like, oh my gosh, kids. They're just like chronic. Separating my kids from the Israelites for a moment. The Israelites were just chronically grumbling and complaining. So finally, God is like, enough. Enough. And in Numbers 21, you can read this story. It's only a few verses long. He literally sends snakes. And some get bitten, some are poisoned, some die. He says, enough, no more. I'm done. The Israelites realize what they've done. They repent. They run to Moses. They're like, please, pray for us. We don't know what to do here. So Moses actually gets a word from the Lord. The Lord actually says, I want you to build like a bronze structure with a snake on it. And anyone who looks at it, they will be healed. So this is what happens, and many are healed. And they keep moving forward. Now, why does Jesus mention that story and right before he drops the most popular Bible verse of all time. Why? I need you to recognize this for a moment. Jesus is teeing up the gospel message. He is cueing the message that is full of love and hope and joy and grace and mercy and compassion and sacrifice. He is literally about to say this. He's helping them see this. Yet, why did God send his son? Why do we have a savior? Why does this even matter? Because we are sinners. If the gospel is preached and sin isn't mentioned, then the whole gospel has not been preached. We are saved from our sin. I truly believe that this story numbers actually displays the Father's heart so, so brilliantly. Because here's why. In order to, to be a, like a just God, God has to judge wickedness and sin. He can't just let that on slide because then he's not just. He's not noble. He's not actually acting in his holiness, in his character. Often, we want the loving God, the merciful God, and he is. But we want to make that one thing, that God is love, the only view, the totalitarian view of who God is. But he's so much more than that because justice, the basis of justice is love. But God cannot go on and on and on with disobedience and wickedness. He has to judge it. A good father understands sin, but he also understands mercy. And this is the beauty of, the Christi of Christianity. This is the beauty of God our Father because he used this snake object, which is typically a picture of evil, a symbol of evil in the Bible, but he also made it bronze. Bronze being fortified, bronze being purified, bronze being tested through fire. And so for any Old Testament person in this moment, any Hebrew in this moment, they would have seen a bronze snake. And they would have seen, their, they would have seen judgment, but they also would have seen purity. They would have actually seen a picture of sin judged and dealt with. This is really important. I don't think any Israelite was like, I can't wait to look at that serpent. I can't wait to, like, no, no, that would have been hard and challenging because they're seeing their sin, but they're seeing that God has judged it and dealt with it and now is extending mercy. And the same goes for us on the cross. Friends, I know for many of us, the cross is this beautiful um, it's almost this beautiful symbol. Many of us wear cross necklaces. You would not have found a cross at any early church because the cross was the crucifix. The cross was the worst type of death that the Romans used to hum humiliate people. You walk into any Roman city and you would have seen for miles different people and thieves on crosses. It was a form of punishment. It, looked, it was horrendous to see. And so for many, they look at Jesus on the cross and they didn't see the resurrection. They saw pain and horror and sin. But praise the Lord, you guys, and this is so good. We know that the story doesn't end like that. In the same way, we need to understand he who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross. That's what the Bible says. 
And so the Father's heart may judge our sin, and this is so key. I think we have this point, and I want you to write this down or know this tonight because this matters the most. Don't forget, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. The Father's heart may judge our sin, but it also takes our place. And this matters so much. The Father's heart may judge the sin, condemn the sin, if you will, but not the sinner. He said, I'll go to the cross for you. I will take your place. I will stand in the way. I will bear the weight. I will take all that on. I have to judge the sin, but I'm going to put myself in your place. This is the grace of God. You still have a loving, just, holy Father, but you have a merciful, loving, sacrificial Father in Jesus Christ. Are you seeing this tonight? Can I get something? Come on, somebody. Like, are you seeing the picture here? This, is, this matters. This really matters. Because sin has to be dealt with. And God said, I'll take care of it. I didn't do it. But I'll take care of it. We're not so unlike Nicodemus. We're not so unlike, honestly, snake-bitten Israelites. We're sinners deserving of who knows what, but God said, I will take you. I will hold you. I will breathe mercy over you. God uses the cross, this emblem of judgment, to draw us back to himself. And that is so powerful. The Father's heart literally says, your heart, it's not okay. There's pain here. We, we follow things that we maybe shouldn't all the time. Following your heart is not always great advice, okay? The Lord says, your heart isn't okay. That's the judgment part. So I'll lay down my life and give you a new one. And that's the grace part. That's the mercy part. And I can't help but wonder how many of us, honestly, are like Nicodemus. We've been coming to church for a long time. We have sat in services. We wear the right things. We say the right things. We do the right things. And we live knowing that we need spiritual transformation, but we just, we treat everything, our whole life with worldly wisdom. And for Nicodemus, he knew the Torah and he memorized scripture and he had done the schooling and he was even born in the right place to him and where he thought. And yet the Lord is saying, listen, there's something more here. And honestly, we're about to read John 3.16, okay? We're about to read John 3.16, which even if you are not a believer here tonight, you've probably heard this verse, right? You've seen it on the bottom of like the Forever 21 big, rest in peace, Forever 21, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? You've seen it on the athlete's shoe or like whatever. You've seen it on someone's Instagram bio for sure, for someone. You may have even seen it on Tinder. I don't know. Listen, I'm not on it. No jokes, no judgment. I'm just saying. You've seen it in a lot of places, right? I was just like talking to the Lord, like, God, how do I preach John 3.16? I know it sounds silly. You're like, really? Really? Isn't this funny what you do? Because we've all heard it before. We have heard the most popular Bible verse before, and yet for some reason it doesn't maybe hit us in the way we thought it would. Maybe for some reason it's been watered down in culture. I don't know. I was like, Lord, everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. He's like, I really felt like the Lord say this to me, and I hope you can hear my heart tonight. He said, I know everyone knows it. That's the point. I don't need you to know it. Do you believe it? Do you believe in me? I don't need you to know John 3.16. I want you to believe in the words I'm speaking to you. Because here's the thing. The Bible does not say, for God so loved you know, our amazing tithes that he gave his one only son. For God so loved and was so impressed by your serving tonight, team, that he gave his one only son. 
For God is so amazed at your talent and your ability that he gave us one of those. For God so, so moved by your time spent in your small group. That's not what John 3.16 says. Nicodemus has spent time. We have done, he has done things. He's done all the right things. And yet that spiritual rebirth has not happened for him yet. And for many of us, we've heard all the things. And we assume that if, you know, if I'm just a good person, then God will love me. But actually, C.S. Lewis wrote this, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, not he was impressed by us, not that he needed us, but it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And that whomever, this is important, believes in him. Doesn't need you to know it. Wants you to believe in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now I know you know John 3.16, but I want you to see and read and hear John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I think sometimes we're worried, we're fearful, we don't want to talk about what we're going through because we don't know what God's going to say. But the Bible's very clear, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Did you hear that? That matters. N.T. Wright just wrote a great book on Romans 8. If you read it, it's, it's really powerful. Because what's happening here is he's saying, like, he didn't condemn you, he's actually condemning sin. Not just your personal sin, but the power of sin in general. That's what happened on the cross. That's the victory that can be found. So for you and for me, John 3.16 might be the most iconic, powerful verse we've ever heard, but John 3.17 matters most for us when we're trying to apply it to our lives. He didn't condemn the world. He's convicting us of sin and recognizing that what? We need a savior. That's the father's heart to say, listen, I'm here for you. I want a relationship with you. Don't run from me. Don't walk away. Keep coming. Like I'm here. See me on the cross. This is mercy and love and grace and life and freedom and hope for you. Don't miss it. And often we stop there. I don't want to stop there. I want to keep reading. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that they have done what has been done in the sight of God. He points it out right there, doesn't he? I think Jesus just read some of your mail. Read mine for sure. This is powerful. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Without being too like harsh here tonight, you guys, I just, I get that feeling. I felt that moment where I'm like, I don't even want to talk about this or bring this up. I don't want to pray that prayer because then all that fear, that shame, it creeps up. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you would just believe in me, that fear, that darkness, that heaviness that you feel, all of that is gone. I take care of that, Jesus is saying. Don't live with that. Leave it at the cross. For at the cross, you will find freedom and hope and light and love. In John 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. 
The worship team is going to come back up, and I just want to finish with a story tonight, if that's okay. In grade 12, I never forget it, we did a, like a grad trip. Um, it was like in the Rockies area, I don't remember. Mountains, there was lots of snow, it was very cold. And I know lots of grad trips are kind of, you do that thing, and I was put with my cousin, I was put with one other guy, and then we were put with a bunch of other people who just, we were in the non-athletic group, which was fine by me. Um, it was just like easy day hikes, like quick little small trips around the lake. Like other people were like, like spelunking and had all these crazy like things they had to do. And our group was just, it was really easy, it was simple, it was nice. And uh, on the last day of our hiking trip, it was like me and a couple other buddies and then a bunch of girls, and we were all supposed to head up to this like cabin, which was like eight kilometers away from our base camp. Something long, I remember being long. And we start walking and we were late to get up, we were slow to get going, we had lunch, we had second lunch, we had dinner, we had supper, we were like the hobbits, like we just kept eating and not hiking, really. And I remember it getting kind of dark out and we, we're on like, this was a crazy journey, like we had to like jump over something and there was like a ridge for so long, like the last half kilometer was like just this tiny ridge and it was like, man, this is crazy, it's getting cold out. I remember being like, do not fall, because if I fall, like I remember thinking, this is the first moment really where I could die if I did something really bad and it was just, it was a wild hike and we get up to this cabin finally and we get there and there is a group from Trinity Western bless their heart, and they are like 20 university students, and they've taken over this cabin that we're supposed to stay at this night. And the infinite wisdom of the university, of Trinity Western University, I hope they hear this, just kidding, and our adult chaperones, for some reason we came to the conclusion that the best move forward would be to send the teenagers back down the mountain at like six o'clock or something, when it's so late and we are so tired, and again, I'm in the most non-athletic group there possibly could be. And I remember even thinking, like, on the way up, some of our group were so done, they, they almost didn't make it. Like, I had to go up, drop off my bag, come back, grab their bag, head up, walk with them up, go back and get another bag. I had to do, like, two, three trips down this little ledge. And now it's, like, 6 p.m., and they're like, you should just go home. Like, I will bunk with anyone. I'm not leaving here. Like, in my head, I'm like, this is scary. But to everyone else, <clears throat> We can do this, it's fine. I'm a grade 12 guy, like I just, so much ego, so much like pride, like we'll be fine. I'll, ta I'll carry two backpacks, it's fine. Like it's not a problem. So I like had one in the front, I had one in the back. And I remember walking out and it has snowed like eight inches. It is freezing. I am so much, like I'm way more tired than I realize. I am instantly humbled by the weather conditions. I'm terrified I'm going to fall. We had someone kind of fall and get really hurt. We had to stop for like a long time. You know when you're in the woods and it's dark and everything you hear, you're like, that's a bear, right? Like instantly, you're just assuming that. Like, listen, I know I don't, I know I clearly look like someone who spends time in the outdoors. But when it's dark, you instantly assume there's a cougar behind everything, right? Anyone else? It was the Rockies, okay? It was like, bear, bear, bear. You start doing like the Jurassic Park, like, I'll be fine. Like, I was so scared. I just remember like thinking, we're never gonna get there. We're just gonna spend the night out here. Like, they're gonna have to call search and rescue. Like, what will my parents think? Like, am I gonna make it? We actually got lost for a while. We went on this wrong path. Parents were getting called. We don't know where your kids are. It was really bad. 
I'll never forget how I thought I could just do it on my own in that moment. And when you're in a moment, when you're walking, and it's dark, and everything feels heavy, and you're scared, and there is a way out. You want, you want that way out. So we kept walking, we kept walking, and it gets later, and now it's into the morning. Like the next morning, it's so late. And then finally in the distance, we start to hear things. Finally in the distance, I remember seeing just like this, this little fire that some teachers were waiting for us. And this big cabin, and they cleared, out the, they cleared out the entire loft just for us to be in. And I remember seeing it, and I just began to run to the fire. Because deep down, I was so scared. All ego, all grade 12 boy, if you will, just sprinted for safety and anything that resembled warmth and hope and home and people and love. And I remember that night, I didn't sleep. I was so tired, but I was so filled with adrenaline, so filled, I was so scared, and yet I knew I was safe. And I'm asking you to hear these final words of Jesus and recognize that for many of us, we are walking continually in darkness. We continue to walk this path where we think we're going to be okay. And really it's this dangerous path of walking the ledge in complete darkness. We continue to think we can handle our sin. We continue to think that we can do this on our own. We're unwilling to talk about it. And the Father's heart is here tonight saying, listen, I want those fears. I want those troubles. I want the scarcity mindset. I want everything that you have and I wanna give you hope. I want to give you life. I want to give you freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom was read to us tonight because there is a joy. And friends, make sure you hear this. There is a love, a love that is greater than any worldly love you've ever received. A love that is sweeter than anything you have ever thought of or tasted or seen. There is a love, a heavenly divine love that comes from Jesus Christ only that you see when, a, when, a man, when God comes down to be a man to pay the price that we were supposed to pay. When you receive that grace and receive that love, it honestly, it changes you. It moves you in a way that's so different that when you read the words, for God so loved the world that he gave his one only son, you aren't... You, you can't be helped but be moved to do something or to tell someone or even just to have a moment with yourself in the Lord thanking him because he actually truly loves you and he died for you and he paid the ultimate price for you. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the Father's heart. So if you would, stop walking in darkness. Don't walk the ledge and thinking you can handle it. I remember after that moment finally getting there, realizing something, it was an important lesson for me. I'm not that tough. I'm not that tough. I just want Jesus. Listen, no matter what happens in my life, I just want Jesus. I just want you to hear these words. He really does love you. He's a real person cross is real. It really happened. There's freedom to be found. Stop walking in darkness. I truly think I can still remember the moment of fear I felt. That was just one moment. I remember praying so much as I came down that, that mountain. Lord, I remember saying these words, I kid you not, I know I'm not serving you well, but please don't let me die. Because I knew that there was a love for me. And there's a love for you too. Would you just close your eyes for a moment, Jesus? I want to, Jesus, we just want to pray tonight that 
every person here with their eyes closed and head bowed would know how good the love of Jesus is. Your word says, Heavenly Father, that you so loved this whole world, that you came down and sacrificed yourself for us, and that whoever would just believe would not perish but have eternal life, real, full life. Thank you, Lord, that you do not send your son to condemn the world, but to save the world. Lord, there's someone in here tonight who needs saving. They don't want to admit it. They wouldn't tell their friend they came with. But they need saving. They've been listening to a, to a message or something that is different. They've been filled with religious thought. They've been told they need to do this and that to gain your love. And Lord, tonight we preach the gospel that says because you have done what you have done, because of your grace and mercy and love, if we just choose to believe in you, we actually have assurance with you in heaven. Lord, that is our prayer, to receive you tonight. If you're scared tonight, if you're concerned tonight, if you're walking in darkness tonight and you're tired, physically tired, spiritually tired, emotionally exhausted, if you've just assumed that your sin was too great, that God would never allow you to have a relationship with him, you're wrong. He sees you tonight. This is the Father's heart. Lord, I pray you'd have compassion on the person who will not have compassion on themselves. Lord, I pray you would send your grace to the person who is unwilling and un to, to see you for all that you are. I pray that no one would walk in darkness as they leave tonight. But even though it's dark outside when we leave, there would be a bright light leading every single one of us. And it's your goodness, it's your light, it's your gospel, it's your grace, it's your mercy. If you tonight have never, ever heard something like this, if this message is ringing true, if it, maybe it feels cliche, because yes, the team is playing and it's John 3.16. But for you tonight, for the very first time, you recognize it's not just words being repeated, it's something you're choosing to believe. Would you just posture yourself and pray this prayer with me? I encourage you, you can open your hands, you can lift your hand if you want. Whatever you do to feel comfortable, it's fine. But some of you need to pray this prayer. You can, you can pray it exactly like I pray, you can pray a little differently. I'm not asking everyone to repeat after me. I want you personally to make an honest decision. I don't want anyone to feel manipulated in any way, I'm asking you. If that's you here tonight, you're like, I need to make a decision for the first time, for the 10th time, for the very last time. Say, Jesus, I need you. Say it audibly for yourself. Not, I don't need to hear it, neither does the person beside you, but make sure you're saying it audibly. Jesus, I need you. I need a savior. I'm tired of walking alone. I'm tired of walking in darkness. I want your light and I certainly want your love. I'm sorry for my sin. I thank you for the cross. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Once again, thank you for your love. That's all it has to be. Come on, eyes are closed. Make a decision. Really, truly ask yourself, man, am I just repeating words or do I truly believe? Make a decision tonight for yourself. Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry. I love you. Thank you for the cross. Forgive me, God. You have all of my heart. Tonight as we close, 
as an application before we sing quick. I know I'm going a little later. I'm sorry, guys. You can open your eyes for a moment. I just want to take communion together. You should, probably got one of these when you came in tonight. It's funny. I've never thought to do communion. But then when I knew I was preaching John 3.16, it, it mattered to me that we did this together tonight. If you're new to church, this may seem a little bit foreign to you. That's okay. There's no pressure to participate. But we do take this moment somberly, yet also with real anticipation and hope and joy. You see, for us, we look at, like I said earlier in the sermon, we look at the cross with anticipation because we know what happened three days later. But this is a moment where we ponder and really look at the cross for a moment. The Bible says that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he told his disciples, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we feel still as the church today, it's important to take a moment and remember that, that, that God's body was broken for you and for me. That he went to the cross for our sin like it was preached tonight. And so if you would, it's our custom here, we actually break the bread. We do that just as because Jesus did it at the dinner table and because his body was broken. And we say, Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We sit here in this moment recognizing the incredible sacrifice you did and we respond with gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take Christ's body. The verses go on. It says, in the same way he took the cup saying, this is my blood, my new covenant. And he actually tells his disciples, every single time you eat this bread and every single time you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's, the Lord's coming, the Lord's name. And so we do the same, church. We take the bread and we take the cup and we say, thank you, Lord Jesus. I cannot believe that you, God, shed blood for me, that you wept on that cross for me. And we receive your goodness and your mercy tonight. Christ's blood shed for you and for me. Would you stand to your feet? We still have a few more moments. Would you stand to your feet? And I want us to sing. I want us to worship. I want us to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, like it says in Corinthians regarding the Lord's Supper. Would you close your eyes all across this room? I want to pray once more. Would you lift your hands? Can we sing the bridge of that, Josh? Let's sing the bridge. Just, we're gonna sing a song and there's something about this song that's powerful and it just talks about a moment. Just one moment. Just a glimpse of your glory. Just a taste of your presence. It's all I need. So we're gonna begin to sing that. Just a glimpse of your glory. Just a taste of your presence. It changes everything. Same with one verse. Lord, Lord we know it just changes everything. So if you would, lift up your hands. If you feel comfortable, lift up your hands. Lord God, we pray one more time and we ask that you would change us from the inside out. For the person who is walking in unbelief, would they choose to believe that you are good and real and loving? For the person who has walked in shame, would they see the Savior in, in, new, in a new way tonight? For the person who has been walked, trapped in bondage and chains from their sin, break them free tonight in Jesus' name. Lord God, we ask that you would move amongst your people right here, right now at Coastline Church at seven o'clock. Breathe fresh life, breathe your Holy Spirit, Lord, and allow us to receive your goodness, your grace and your mercy. If you wanna receive grace and mercy, just stretch out your hands. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm open. Lord Jesus, come to me. Jesus, I need grace. Lord Jesus, you are Lord and I receive you tonight. 
Bless him with your, language, with your words. Sing a song to him and proclaim his goodness. That is our prayer. That is our hope. Let's sing together. Come on, let's sing it out. <laughs>